Hello, everybody. Tom and Keith with you. And a reminder, uh, as we always do, that the Dunlap Champions Club should be on your must-see, must-do list. Perhaps it already is. And uh, to those of you who uh, have already purchased your tickets, we say thank you. But you should get on board. It's a great football experience. Your food is covered. Uh, you've got shade. You've got AC. Just a, it's a great social experience, but it's a great way to watch the game. Dunlap Champions Club, very good to us because they bring you the Sunday edition of Front Row Knowles, uh, commercial-free, along with our main sponsors, Primarian Bank and Hobson Chevrolet. And, and I go back to your point. If you've not ever been there, you got to go at least once. You'll be hooked. A better way to do it might be to try the three-game ticket package, uh, which includes Virginia Tech, Florida, or Clemson, and then two of the other four remaining home games. But however you want to shake it down, uh, it is an experience that, that, that's worth enjoying to uh, take in Florida State football. That's the Dunlap Champions Club. Get on board. 644-1830, the number to call. 644-1830. And without further ado, Front Row Knowles, first look. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Good day. Welcome to Front Row Knowles First Look. Tom and Keith with you and another yawner at the stadium on Saturday. Keith, Florida State had it all the way. Uh, 22-21 nail-biter with some heroics from Tamari and Terry on a terrific throw by DeAndre Francois. Certainly, uh, you have to like the the fight that Florida State had. It's Boston College. It's not the season anybody wanted, but we'll take the win, and that bowl streak still hangs, still hanging around. we got a big one this week. By its fingernails, by its fingernails. Some uh, might take uh, uh, the other opinion and say it was never in doubt. Uh, obviously, they didn't actually watch the ball game. They only saw the final score. Uh, a game that Florida State defensively played extremely well for two quarters, two and a half quarters, two and two-third quarters, and it had a little bit of a lap down. Uh, an offense that uh, couldn't get out of its own way in the first half but came out very strong in the second half, particularly uh, in that last uh, touchdown pass from DeAndre to Terry. Um, but a game that you know was a pretty entertaining game, not a big crowd, uh, but certainly Florida State showed some things. By no means will we tell you that they're back and they're where they need to be. Uh, still much work left to do. Uh, but you got two games. you got to win two games. You've got one of them. Now you got one more, and that's what the season boils down to. We talked a lot about one of the keys being just stay in the game. Don't be behind 10 or 17 zip because from a morale standpoint, it just sinks. You know, you can see the shoulders sink, the heads droop. And they did that. I mean, now, it wasn't as if they capitalized and got out to a 17-zip lead, but we'll take the baby steps. They stayed in the game. It was close at halftime, and they gave themselves a chance at the end. Still saw the issues that we've talked about raise their ugly head in terms of inopportune penalties, uh, offensive line that at times did not play well at all, a defense that is way too soft, particularly in their zone coverage and particularly from the safeties. But, you know, we talk about the bowl streak, and I've mentioned it, and maybe maybe the average listener hasn't processed, but the biggest thing that would happen if Florida State was fortunate enough to be able to go to a bowl is those 15 extra days of practice. That's the equivalent of a second spring or another spring. And you hate to admit it, uh, we're all proud and loyal uh, Seminoles, but if there's ever been a team that needed 15 more times out on the practice field, to, to continue work on just fundamentals and basics, uh, it's this 2017 squad. 
We'll get back to that conversation. We'll break down the offense and defense. We'll hear from Cam Akers, first Noel to have a 100-yard rushing game this year. That's coming up later in the program. Also, Dontavious Jackson, who matches career best with 14 tackles. But first, let's listen to Coach Willie Taggart. This is courtesy of Seminoles.com. And obviously, he's pleased with uh, the fight that his team showed uh, to overcome uh, eh, some questionable officiating. We don't like to talk about that. We'll get to that, too. But here's Coach Taggart. An incredible win for our guys. Uh, I'm very proud of our football team. Um, I'm proud of their resilience throughout the season and, and finding a way to keep this this, this streak alive and um, finding a way to, to try to make sure that our seniors leave here the right way. Um, like I told our guys, we had a prideful university and, and, and we pride ourselves on winning. And um, it's, a, it's a resilient group of guys. A lot of guys were here last year and, and, and they had the same thing when the bats was against the wall. They found a way to win the ball game, and, and it was good to, to see that out of our guys. Um, today they didn't give up. They found a way to uh, come back and make the plays that we needed to make, and um, we got the dub. Coach, can you kind of summarize what this win means in terms of beating a ranked opponent, beating an ACC opponent, uh, five wins with one more win to go to be bowl eligible? Can kind of summarize what, what this one means well, tonight? It's, it's, it's mean a lot um, to our program. Um, hopefully it's that, that defining moment that we, we all uh, knew that can happen. You've probably heard me say a lot that we're close, and um, and it's good that our guys kept believing and, and, and found a way, and like you say, to beat a ranked opponent. Uh, was big for it, especially a team that was struggling. We were on a three-game winning streak, and uh, a lot of teams could have would have given up, and our guys didn't. And they found a way, and uh, it says a lot about them. You know, our, our players and our coaches just to stand together, and, and we needed it in the in the worst way. And uh, we got one more to go against our arch rival um, next week. Uh, it was it was hardly DeAndre's best game. I mean, especially in the first half, you kind of saw the accuracy issues. What does it say about him? I mean, in that moment, game on the line, he kind of makes the throw that he does to, to Morian. Well, I think we've seen that throughout the year. Um, he can make some bad throws, but he come back and make some um, big throws for us. And all he needed really to do was settle down. Um, the first half, he just really wasn't himself uh, with some things. Um, I know one of the throws on the interception wasn't – it was his fault, but it wasn't his fault. Um, it was his fault because he threw the ball. Um, he shouldn't have, uh, but um, he missed some open throws earlier, but there was, it was great that he bounced back and made the plays uh, we needed to late in the game. And, um, and it, was, it was pretty um, it was pretty neat. You know, Danny Connell came and talked to our team this week, and, and he spoke about uh, sometimes all they need is just somebody to step up and make a play. That can change some things around. And, and sure enough, in that game, we're struggling, struggling, struggling. And, and then uh, Tamari Ontario and, and DeAndre make a play for us, and, and – had a perfect time for it, and that was that was big for us. Uh, we ran one. We ran it early in the game. You saw um, uh, Nooney Murray catch one early in the game. It was the same um, same play there, and um, it's all go by the coverage. What coverage we're in, you know, we know. If they're in a certain coverage, then we're gonna get one on one with Terry. We'll take that any time, you know, and. And it was good. You know, we tried to go to him early in the game and didn't get to him. And I was impressed with Terry because I know he was frustrated. He wanted to make a play, too. But he hung in there and, again, made it when we needed the most. Coach, there was no quit in that football team tonight. Can you talk about that and the momentum headed into rivalry week? 
Well, um, again, it just shows you the resilience of our, our, our group of guys and, and, and how important it is to them. You know, I say every week they come ready to practice, uh, a lot of energy, and we have good weeks of practice. And it was just good to see them come and translate that to the football field um, today. Again, by no means real perfect, but we found a way to win the ball game and a uh, much-needed ball game. And, again, we still plan for something. We're playing our arch rival, and we also plan to – Keep the bowl streak alive. You know that's that's really important to all of us. And it's important that we come in and, and have a great week practice, week of practice again, and and um, and show up and show out next week. Were you surprised that BC didn't go for it uh, late in the game? Um, I know I, I I wasn't surprised. Um, again, they went for it a couple of times and didn't make it. You know, so um, I wasn't surprised, especially at that time. And you think about. Us offensively, we really wasn't doing anything. So um, to try to get us back and, um, and stop us, I probably did the same thing. So uh, not surprised and I'm glad they didn't. Oh, it's been it's great. I mean, our defense have been doing that throughout the year, you know, and it, we needed that the most uh, at the worst uh, way uh, this game. We knew, we knew we were going to have a, a team that run the football and run a lot, and and uh, all you hear all week long is how physical their football team was, and no one talk about our team being physical, and I'm sure that ticked our guys off a little bit, and, and they showed some physicality tonight, and to me, that's how we're supposed to play football, especially stopping the run and Again, we knew they're going to run a lot, and they'll get some yards here and there. But I thought the guy did a great job of um, just holding him in check. You know, um, a year a year ago from now, I mean, a year ago, he had a big game, and I got to remember that too. And, and uh, it was good to see that they um, they um, took care of business. Again, Coach Taggart's comments, courtesy of Seminoles.com, your place to go for all your Seminole coverage. And our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt joins us on our regular Front Row Knowles every Wednesday at six. Keith, uh, when you look at this game, I, I do think there's uh, not just staying alive in the in the bowl streak. I, I think, and, and we'll talk about this more in the segments, but the defense, considering how poorly they had tackled the last two weeks, uh, I know that Boston College is not as dynamic, maybe uh, certainly as Notre Dame, but uh, you know that that that's a man running the football, and they, and they did a, a much better job against AJ Dillon and stopping the run. Very much so, and uh, you know Dillon ended up with what thirty seven carries and didn't get to a hundred yards. Uh, just over, just like over, yeah, was just over. Thank you. Um, the thing I would use as a comparison, Tommy, would you would you say that Notre Dame's offensive line? How much better are they than Boston College's offensive line? Are they a little bit better or are they a lot better? I would tell you that I think they're probably only a little bit better. This is a BC line that came in with over 130 combined starts. They had four seniors on that offensive front that started, two of which were redshirt seniors. They've got a back in Dillon that by many thought would be the preseason ACC player of the year. Uh, he has been hurt. He missed three, four ball games, whatever it was, uh, was technically playing on a bad ankle, although you couldn't convince any Florida State defenders of that. I think as we've talked about it, and I know our listeners get tired of me being the old man to talk about simplistic things, but tackling is 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 90% mental. It's It's you just making up your mind that you're going to do it. And what we saw in the NC State game and in the Notre Dame game was kids getting out of their gaps 
And a lot of time, the linebacker's over-pursuing. Instead of staying in the A-gap, they've moved out of it. And then win the battle in the gap and make the tackle and get him down on the ground. And I'm just telling you that the bulk of that is attitude. And that can change that dramatically from one game to the next. And we saw it change from what went on in South Bend, Indiana, to what happened on Bobby Bowden Field on Saturday night. And as a result, and I, I was, I didn't want to consider the scenario of Florida State having the bowl streak already over and not in play when Florida came to town. Now you're going to have a focused week. You're going to have a crowd, however large or small it is, that's at least energized, and it'll clearly be larger with this still in play. And uh, you know, it, it's going to be a battle, but but Florida State will come to play next week. Anytime you have a rivalry game. It really doesn't matter what the records are and what the trends are and what the statistics are. That's why they're rivalry games. So, uh, yeah, I think there's every reason in the world to believe this Florida State squad will be more than prepared to go up against the Gators. Every reason to believe that the Gators will be prepared. And uh, you just end up playing 60 minutes of hard-fought football and, and the best man wins. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Let's just get this out of the way right now, Keith. Now, I'm on the field. And so I don't get to see the replays like you do in the booth. And we try not to talk about officiating. But lo and behold, when the team is average, officiating matters a lot more than when your team is really good and you can overcome third and 17 or whatever the holding call is. What did you see on the play where the officials picked up the flag that allowed BC's drive to stay alive and ultimately they got a touchdown that was going to be the game winner were it not for Terry's heroics? Absolutely bogus call. Uh, it was a clear hold. The player had a hold of the jersey by the hand. Now, last time I checked, whether it's behind the line of scrimmage, in front of the line of scrimmage, whether it's an offensive lineman or a running back or a wide receiver, if an offensive player has a hold of a defensive player's jersey in his hand, stretching the jersey, I think that's called holding. One official threw the flag. The other official came and talked him out of it and the referee let it stand. That's just bogus, Tommy. That is absolutely incompetent, unacceptable officiating. That's, that squad needs to be suspended for a game, just like the crew that was suspended three or four years ago. Well, I didn't know where you were going to go with that, but now that we've had that, I'll point out that the field judge who talked the official out of the uh, call is the same one who threw the flag on Freddie Stevenson against Clemson two years ago, the one as Florida State was coming back, and Dalvin Cook was you know, hitting 60-yard runs every time he, he went wide. I don't know. So I, I do like the fact that when referees confer, if I saw it better than you, you see it more on a, on a catch on the sideline related to possession and was the foot in. So the officials should confer. But at some point, if an official saw that somebody had a handful of jersey no matter what the other official says, you got to stand up for what you saw and win that argument. Uh, well said. Exactly. You and I have gotten in dis disagreement. We got one in a booth over money. Remember that? When I told you there's no way that that paid that much money. And you just calmly went and pulled up an article that I had missed in June, and there was the number, and I had missed it. Well, that's plain and clear. If you can't find that article, then you and I still got an argument, and I win. <laughs> Uh, it feels better since it was a win, but it is cur I just don't know how. I, I mean, holding is a judgment call. So No, no, no. Not when someone. Not, not, not a receiver. but I'm When someone has a hold of someone's jersey and is pulling the jersey and it's clearly be, see, being seen on the television replay, that is not a judgment call. That is holding. Where I was going with it is 
when have you ever seen holding called on an offensive lineman where another official came in and said, ah, that wasn't holding from where I was standing. When has a holding call been overturned in the history of football? Never. Here we are again. We're making history. That's not the way we want to make history. But Florida State did win, so we feel better about it, and we'll talk about We're going to go offense first. I'm making the call on that since we had some heroics at the end. We'll do that, and we roll on on uh, Front Row Knoll's First Look. Front Row Knoll's First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Okay, I think we're done talking officiating now as we welcome you back to Front Row Knowles First Look. We're going to talk about uh, Florida State and the heroics at the end. I'll remind you that uh, you need to get yourself uh, on the web to trymybank.com. That's where you can find out more about Prime Meridian Bank. It uh, is a great local bank that we both bank at, as a matter of fact. So uh, trymybank.com. They've been longtime supporters of our program, both this one and the Wednesday night edition. All right, Keith, 74-yard touchdown pass. Once again, and I'm standing, I was behind the play. I was at the line of scrimmage. And I see the throw, and and this has happened uh, multiple times this year in regard to Francois throws to Terry. And I'm thinking, well, he overshot him by about four yards. And lo and behold, he didn't overshoot him. And there's Terry going to get it again, makes the catch, breaks the tackle, gets into the end zone. And in order to make it just a little bit interesting, it wasn't a clean catch. He actually bobbled it just a little bit. He did secure it quickly, and then I'm going, well, the guy behind him is going to tackle him. And sure enough, right when the guy goes to make a dive, he high steps a little bit. I've often wondered, we've talked about eyes in the back of the head. I guess some receivers and running backs just have that innate ability to know when a defensive back is going to try to do something. Uh, And 74 yards later, Florida State with a touchdown would end up being the game-winning one. Um, How they keep pulling those things off, and more importantly, why do teams – Keep going one-on-one coverage late in ball games against him. I don't know, but Florida State very, very uh, astute to take advantage of that, and ended up being a very remarkable play. I don't really know why you'd go one-on-one at any point during the game, and I still will maintain Florida State needs to take more shots to Terry. I mean, it, at least once a quarter, there needs to be that throw to Terry. Well, we talked about it in the pregame that uh, one of the things I thought Florida State would have to do because I did believe that Boston College would run the ball and control it, and they did. They ran out 86, 87 plays. Uh, The time of possession was skewed just a couple of minutes their way. But they controlled the game in terms of tempo and that type of thing. So I'm thinking Florida State's going to get a lesser number of possessions, and they're going to need to take some shots early in some of those possessions uh, just to see what happens. And lo and behold, uh, they did take a couple during the game, but the biggest one came on the last offensive play of the ball game. What a finish. And then Florida State holds on after that. Going back and looking at it, the first half, Keith, Florida State, each team had the had the ball for eight possessions. And in FSU's case, I guess it was, uh, I'm not going to remember all this, but two of them were field goals. One was a blocked field goal. Two were interceptions. So that's five of the five. Of the, we're not a lot of punts is what you're saying. Yeah, well, I'm just looking at it. I mean, they did move the ball some. Uh, and then you had two other drives where they got behind the sticks because of penalties and they just couldn't overcome it. And that, that's pretty much the way the first half went. Um but they did move the ball, and I and I made this point in the first segment. The fact that it was a game and that BC was out, not out 14-zip or something like that, uh, it gave fans hope, but it gave the team hope, too. I felt like, and you were down there, but I felt like just looking at body language that the energy was, was never waning on the Florida State uh, side of the ball. 
uh, sidelines rather, uh, that, that the kids were still in it. There wasn't a lot of hanging your head. There wasn't a woe is me. Uh, there was an attitude, a can-do attitude that continued throughout the ball game. And I think that's a direct response to them not having been in ball games the last three times. You know, you look up at the ball game and there's 10 minutes left in the second quarter and you're still tied or up by three. That's a whole different feeling than when you look up and you're down 24 and, and the game's basically over, even though you're not going to admit it to yourself. Well, and it relates, we don't have to continue down this road, but it relates to the point you made about tackling at Notre Dame. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, the back gets to the second level, and you're, you're just not as inclined maybe to move over a foot and actually square up, and so now you're reaching and you're tackling high instead of tackling how you should, and it just snowballs from there. It, it's Again, it sounds so simplistic, but it's all attitude. You just make your mind up that that is not going to happen to me, and I'm not going to let field position I'm not going to let temperature, I'm not going to let the score, I'm not going to let anything affect my uh, want to. Because as we've talked about, another cliche, but never less true in the game of football, in all sports for that matter, the one thing I can always control as a player is my effort. I can always extend effort, regardless of what the score is, where it is on the ball game, uh, what's time left, et cetera, et cetera. And this time, Florida State, for the mass majority and for most of the kids, they ex- exerted great effort for an entire 60-minute ball game. One kid who's exerted good effort, hasn't had the year that he wanted, but hasn't pouted about it is, is Cam Akers, who got his first 100-yard game, finished with 110 yards. I've talked to him each of the last two weeks uh, He's serious. I mean, he, he walks around carrying a football. We know he's had some fumble issues. Uh, I saw him after the game on Saturday. He's got the football t- tucked under his arm. Uh, 14 carries, uh, 110 yards. I think he averaged seven or eight yards a carry, whatever the math is on that. Had a big 55-yard run, and it was just nice to see. He is uh, probably the most mature young running back that I've seen in the last 10 or 20 years. I mean, maybe maybe he rivals in terms of his maturity, Warwick Dunn, in terms of how he conducts himself and comports himself, uh, how he, he, he handles practice, the things that he does off of the field, uh, the way his demeanor is. Um, you know, that's probably pretty high or maybe too high praise this early in his career. But in all of those things, he reminds me a lot of, of, of one of the greatest that's ever come through here in Warwick. And uh, he's a very, very impressive young man as a youngster. Had a chance to talk to Cam after the game, and here's that conversation. Cam, I talked to you last week after the game in South Bend. Obviously, I brought up the bull streak, and you said you don't want to be a part of the team that sees that uh, go away. And you live to fight for another week, so I know that's as much joy as I've seen or heard in this locker room in some time. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, uh, it means a lot to come out and do it. We're doing it for the seniors, you know. Uh, uh, we don't want them to have that sour taste uh, leaving out of here. We want them to have uh, uh, keep the bowl streak alive. So uh, it's all for the seniors. Tell me, uh, you know, how you saw it on the field. I guess you had run one one play there on that last drive, and then the next call, uh, uh, you know, it unfolds. Great throw, great catch, and then pandemonium. I knew the uh, big big players make big plays, and uh, that's from the quarterback standpoint uh, to the receiver. You know, uh, they uh, they just got a great connection. Uh, it was a big play. We needed somebody to step up for us, and they uh, they came through. This hasn't been the kind of year that uh, that you wanted, that anybody wanted, I'm sure. Uh, when you look at individual numbers, uh, you got over 100 yards today, 110 yards. So congrats on your first 100-yard rushing game. Thank you. Uh, you know, just to get that under my belt felt good. You know, like you say, first 100-yard game of the season. Uh, hoping to repeat. 
tell us something we wouldn't know about Keyshawn Helton. We can't talk to the freshman, but, man, he's tough for a guy that's that small. Yeah, uh, he's a great great athlete. Uh, like you said, he's got great toughness to him, uh, ability to make plays, make big plays, as you can see. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see what his future holds. Final question. You know it comes down to one game, grudge match against Florida. That's always intense. You grew up on the Egg Bowl, I know, but you know a little bit about FSU and Florida right now. Just uh, It's going to be fun. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, that's one of the bigger rivalries in the state of Florida. Uh, so I kind of inherited it, I guess. Uh, all my teammates, you know, they kind of drilled it in me. Florida State and Florida don't like each other, so um, uh, we're going to come out and play like it. Congratulations again on the win. Thank you. As I mentioned in that interview, he grew up on the Egg Bowl, so he didn't grow up on FSU Florida like you did, living right in the middle of it. But he knows about it. You get up to speed pretty quick if you're going to come where they're going goal. Let me tell you something. A, a rivalry, and, and I, I'm going to be prejudiced, a southern rivalry. I can't speak to Notre Dame USC. I can't speak to Michigan, Ohio State. But I understand uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State. I understand Auburn, Alabama. I understand FSU, Florida. I understand, you know, Georgia, South Carolina, Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I mean, those are all rivalry games that maybe they didn't have the national spotlight that the FSU Miami rivalry got into for a 15 or 20 year period. But, you know, when you're talking about serious, uh, heartfelt, you know, losing on Saturday can ruin the next 364 days of your life. Football games, you understand what a rivalry is. And the Egg Bowl would classify and qualify in that genre, even though it might not necessarily have led to a national championship every year. He smiled when I gave him the Egg Bowl reference. And then, uh, as you heard, talked about the matchup here. I'm looking at this uh, stat sheet, and as we're talking offense, we need to point out that Keyshawn Helton, particularly in the first half, I mean, first play of the game, I think, or first drive of the game, catches a slant, bounces off some guys. He ran, I, I don't know that you call it a jet sweep because they're they're throwing it to him rather than handing it to him when he comes in motion. But uh, he's he's tiny, but, man, he's tough. He's got that um, that it factor. Uh, he doesn't go down easily, so he's not he's not the speedster, you know, where, where the Ferrari's got to be perfectly in time or the Jaguar's got to have the suspension tuned a particular way. He's kind of an everyday guy with good speed, but he's got that ability to make people miss, and he's got that ability to not be tackled. He, he kind of just doesn't go down, and we've seen him do that on several different occasions throughout the year. And he's and because of it, he's a guy you just got to get the ball in his hands a few times during the ball game, however you have to do it, because you just don't know what he's going to end up doing when he does. Yeah, he's got a bright future, uh, no question. Uh, it's going to be a fun receiving core to watch next year. I, I do want to also mention, uh, and we give him a hard time at times, but the catch that Nooney Murray made on that third down play for 45 yards that kept that drive alive, that was a big-time catch. Have you noticed something, Tommy? You know, Nooney got sat down a couple, three weeks ago, didn't he? Got, got suspended for half a game. Uh, has he been talking much? Has he been dancing much? I wish that everybody could see the face that Keith is making as he goes through this little lesson. But what's he doing now? He's playing ball. He's blocking. He's catching. Uh, that that theoric, theatric, I can't say it correctly, all that crap does is, is it actually keeps you for doing what you can do. Shut up and play football. And that's what Nooney's doing. Well said, Mr. Jones. Let's talk defense after this. 
We'll do it when we continue on Front Row Knowles First Look. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Florida State gets the thrilling 22-21 come from behind. Yawner, squeaker, had it all the way with Terry going 74 yards at the end there. Uh, but let's credit the defense here. The defense has been much maligned the last few weeks. And uh, the second half wasn't a work of art because they couldn't get off the field on third down. But but overall, they did a really nice job against the run. To repeat what we've said, 37 carries, 116 yards for A.J. Dillon. That's an average of 3.1 per carry, as long was 16. Uh, they did a nice job. That they did. And, and credit the offense for not putting them in a bad situation. You know, they had a three-yard scoring drive and a nine-yard scoring drive by Notre Dame last week. You know, the odds are not good that you're going to keep them out of the end zone in those situations. Uh, they, they, they were able to tackle much better. In fact, I don't, I don't remember a missed tackle. Do you, do you remember a missed tackle uh, in the entire game? I mean, uh, obviously, when you run the ball 37 times with one back, and a lot of his were between the tackles, there might have been something there that we missed. Uh, but, yes, they, they kept Florida State's offense, kept the team going when Florida State's offense was not performing well. Got to give them high marks for the, as we've mentioned, two quarters, two and a half quarters. They did have some letdowns, particularly on third and long. Uh, but some of that, some of that candidly, I think Coach Barnett's got to go back and look at because in just about every one of those situations, they were in zone coverage and rushing three, sometimes rushing four. It, may, it just may be, and you're rolling the dice, it, but it just may be that this team needs to stay with four people rushing and maybe a linebacker, man coverage underneath and two safeties over the top, in quote-unquote prevent. In other words, that's the prevent that they can run. The two deep safeties, can't Tampa 2 zone, they just don't run very well. So let's ex- explore that. So because Florida State, if you think of all the pass interference calls this year, and particularly NC State, there was three or four in that game, was after that, and it may have been Coach Taggart or it may have been Harlan, wherever it was, they got into zone a little bit more. Um, and then at the safety position, and you can speak to this, one of the things that's happened, and I think Stanford Samuels, who had another interception today, I think his natural position is corner. Uh, I think he's a really good corner. But I think when they've had him at safety, which is where he was before Levanta Taylor got hurt, he was better at safety with the rest of the guys in there than what they're running out there right now, which really it's been A.J. Westbrook who's gotten picked on a lot. So bottom line, Levanta Taylor's out. You've had to shift the lineup around. Uh, Stanford Samuels is making picks, at, at, but the safety play is hurting a little bit. With with Taylor being out, that means you've got to change two positions, not one position. So you're basically changing half of your defensive backfield. And, again, our listeners have heard this before, but we we have a tendency to think of offensive linemen as all being the same. It's just a huge difference between playing guard and playing tackle. Well, there's a huge difference between playing cornerback and playing safety at this level. You can't just consider them defensive backs. In fact, I would even argue there's a third position that didn't exist 35 years ago when I was playing, and that's the corner position on the slot. Because now the slot receiver has become such a specialized uh, position as well, and, and I agree with you. I think uh, his uh, Samuel's natural position is corner, for the good of the order and the good of the team. He's agreed to play safety. I think he's adequate there, but I think he's much better at corner. And I think by Taylor being out, you're as I mentioned, you're changing two of the four positions, and maybe that's not smart. Maybe we need to put Samuels back and go with one of the younger guys at safety and just roll the dice and maybe try to protect him 
uh, as long as Levante is out. We'll just have to wait and see. The third down passes they hit, you already explained that. Some of the passes that they hit in the in the second half were because they started throwing on first down. And you, you could get a glimpse at what the play action will do, which is where Willie wants to be. Uh, he wants to be, you know, 60% run so that you play action and then guys are, are open like they were early in the in the in the sequence on, on a non-traditional passing down. See what, what play action does. All you all you want out of play action is you want the linebackers and the safeties to make one step in the wrong direction. All you need them to do is make one step in the wrong direction. And then if you've got an accurate passer, you can make them pay for it. Now, Brown, uh, who showed some great athleticism, I thought they probably should have run him some more. He looked very good on those rollouts and some of those runs when he tucked the ball. But he's not that accurate of a passer. Even when he was throwing to an open guy, he sometimes missed him. And we criticized DeAndre a little bit for, for that. And I know we're talking defense right now, but one little blurb there. Last time DeAndre was a regular starter, we used to criticize him for taking sacks. Well, he's not taking sacks, though. He did have a couple of uh, Florida State give up a couple. But now he's throwing the ball out of bounds and throwing it way away. And now we're criticizing for that. we got to be careful about what poison we want to really have. But back to Brown, he made some great throws in the second half, particularly on some of those third down plays. And you see why BC was – BC's a top 25 team. They're not, they're not a top five team. They're not going to play in the college football playoff. But they're a top 20, top 25 team. That's what Adazio's done with this club during his tenure there. And Florida State was able to beat them, granted on their home field, granted on the, almost the last play of the game, if you will. But nevertheless, that was a quality opponent. That's, what, what is, that's not your, your grandfather's BC that you're looking at. Maybe the reason they didn't run the quarterback more is he was dinged last week, and so he did it as a product of scrambles, and, and maybe I haven't watched BC enough to know how much they normally run him. Let's get back to Florida State stopping the run and the defense as a whole. I talked to Dontavious Jackson. One of the changes schematically Florida State's made is that he was in the middle earlier this year, and Leonard Warner was backing him up, and now they have both of them on the field. Warner's in the middle, and Dontavious has moved. And I think maybe because Jackson is a little more mobile, a little quicker, a little faster, that that you know, according to the book, he needs to be outside because he can play in space a little bit more. He um, he does uh, somewhat. Um, I'm looking to make sure I use the correct word. Uh, he annoys me occasionally with his exuberance. I'd like for him to go to the Nooney school of shut up and play, uh, but he nevertheless brings a lot of energy to that defense, and he'll hit you when he gets there. Telvin Smith used to be a candidate for that same school back when he was here. And then uh, he settled down and learned how to channel that a little bit. And uh, now he's making a lot of money playing for the Jaguars. Let's listen to uh, Dontavis Jackson's uh, comments. Uh, I caught up with him after the game. You talk about a workhorse. They gave A.J. Dillon the ball 37 times today, and you guys were charged with trying to take down that 250-pound behemoth. But you did a great job. He wound up averaging 3.1 yards per carry. What was the key to being so so effective against their running game today? Um, just just being physical, coming downhill fast, being aggressive, um, just knowing knowing where we're supposed to fit. Because a lot of the times teams want to tackle him, and they're just they'll just get out of position. But he's a great player, so you have to be you have to be in position. You have to be in the right right holes and just tackle him, get him on the ground. He runs hard, so we did a great job of that tonight. So, 
In light of the last couple of weeks when teams have had some success running the football, I know that Coach Barnett wanted to work just not on not just on being in the right place, but also tackling better. So that must have been drilled this week. Seemed like you guys did a good, better job of going low. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely we had we had tackle circuits this week as we do every week, but he they emphasized it this week and um, we took advantage of the reps and practice and used it on the game, using in the game. Second half, they mixed it up a little bit more because they threw on you know early early downs when you were maybe looking run more. But uh, to their credit, I mean, you guys just couldn't get them off the field on third down. Was it something in particular, or just uh, I mean, because they had better success than I think any of us anticipated on third and long. Um, uh, I think a lot of the, a lot of the third downs they got, third and longs they got were on us. Just someone being out of position or not playing playing with improper technique or eyes, just being disciplined. I, I feel like it was it was on us more than them out scheming us so i feel like i feel like we just got we just got to come come watch the film understand what we did wrong and we got to move on from there i'm going to ask you about two offensive guys for florida state because you see them in practice all the time first one is the hero and terry and we see him a lot uh, uh and then also Keyshawn helton who we haven't seen as much but man he's tough for a, for a little kid so just tell us a little bit about those two when when you go against them every day well terry terry is an aggressive guy he's he's skinny but he's a very aggressive receiver. He doesn't look as aggressive as he is, and he likes to get into it. And I love his physicality. He's a hard worker, and that goes over to Keyshawn. Keyshawn's probably the hardest worker I've saw. Like, we'll lift, and he'll go lift right after. He'll lift twice back to back. He's just a hard worker. I'm just happy for him. It's finally paying off for him, and it's his time. We talked to Cam. You know, he grew up on the Egg Bowl. You're, you're from Texas, I believe, so he didn't grow up on FSU Florida. But you've been here long enough to know what it's all about. On top of it, there, uh, on top of it there's a bowl game hanging in the balance. So this is going to be a fun week. Oh, yeah. This, this, this is the most pivotal week of the season, not only because it's Florida, but it's the next game. And, of course, we got the streak on. Uh, so every day this week we're going come to come to work, and we know how important this week is. Enjoy it tonight, and then get back to work tomorrow. Of course, of course. <laughs> One other thing to consider, this goes back to the conversation about safety, but it's it's all tied into linebackers. Florida State doesn't have the depth that it needs and the quality at the linebacker position. And so you've played Woodby at one linebacker position all year and DeKalen Brooks, and the reality is not that you want to switch them right now. I mean, you've got one week to go potentially in the season. But when you get to spring or when you get enough bodies in there at linebacker, maybe those guys move back to safety. There's no question. And, and again, that is not a knock on either of those two players. And I hope our listeners understand that uh, both Brooks and, and Woodby basically have agreed to to give up a year playing out of position because I do believe both of them are much better suited at the safety position. Uh, you know, I think maybe if DeKalen, you know, adds 15 or 20 pounds and doesn't lose any speed, then maybe you can keep him on the outside as a linebacker, but Woodby in particular uh, reminds me a whole lot of Derwin James. I'm not ready to put him in that level in terms of his performance, but just his size, his height and weight, and his skill set. Uh, you know, I think he's much more suited to play at the safety position, but has been forced because of need to play closer to the line of scrimmage. Hopefully he'll get that opportunity, if he so desires, in the spring, and we'll get a chance to see what he really looks like in a position that's more favorable to his body type. We'll wrap up the defensive conversation, and Keith, I'll just let you weigh in. BC did get the ball back and had good field position, and they only needed to move it about 25, 30 yards to get a field goal attempt, and it was four straight incomplete passes. Some of that was inaccurate throws, but, uh, you know, that's not a play-action situation, and so Florida State knew they were going to throw. BC had no timeouts, got a better result. Well, and hats off to Harlan because I don't have the the, the, the call sheet in front of me, but the two possessions prior when they were quote-unquote in prevent. 
don't know what they were running that last series, but it wasn't prevent. Now, it might have been don't bite on anything, take a step back before you step take a step forward, but it wasn't the same defense that they had run the previous two series. So hats off to Harlan for making a, a schematic or a technical change that put the kids in a much better position. Florida State gets the win 22-21. to Still alive if they can get one more to extend this bowl streak. We'll talk about that when we continue on Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles' first look. And, Keith, I'm scratching my head, and I'm, I can't imagine what the prime Meridian Bank play of the game might be. So I'm just be over here curious waiting for you to spit it out well first of all let's call it the prime meridian bank performance of the game because it was way above a play because it may have saved uh, that proverbial bowl streak but it is time now for our prime meridian bank performance of the game and obviously it's going to be deandre to tamarian for a 74 yard touchdown i'm going out on a limb there not at all not at all I mean, I, I, now that you mentioned that probably was the big performance of the game. Primary and Bank, they're my bank. And this year they're celebrating 10 years serving Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and the surrounding area. Outstanding client service, convenience tools like mobile and remote deposit, and one of the top-rated mortgage teams in Leon County. Not sure about your bank? Try Tallahassee's hometown bank, Primary and Bank, on the web at trymybank.com. I love it when I go out on a limb like that, don't you? I know. I mean, I guess I guess that's probably the right play to pick. Um all right, so the bowl streak is still in play. Florida's going to come to town. Uh, there are a lot of streaks. You know, Florida State's had, got a little streak against Florida, oh, by the way. Florida hasn't won since 2012. And uh, so what's that, five in a row? So you got that streak going. You got a chance to get to 500. And if you, you know, that would extend the bowl streak. That also means that you could play a bowl game, potentially, a have a winning record. But uh, first things first, uh, it's FSU Florida week, and I know that fires you up. It does. I mean, that was one of the strangest things that I remember about my freshman year. Uh, 1977, Coach Bowden's second year. I wasn't traveling. I wasn't dressing. Of course, back then, you only you only carried 55 on the travel squad. And um, I, I remember that we were playing at Florida, and, and I wasn't going to make the travel squad. So I, got, I go out on Monday. I know I'm going to be on the scout team. Uh, I know that uh, we're going to mimic what Florida does defensively. I know that practices have been tough uh, the prior 12 or 13 weeks. I know two-a-days were horrible. I'd never, ever in my life, Tommy, had seen the energy and the excitement that the coaches came to the practice field on on that Monday. It was Florida week. I had never experienced that before. They were out of their mind. They were out of their mind. It was that huge of a proposition. And, of course, that 77 group uh, went down there and beat Florida 37-9, I believe it was, started the four-game streak that my group was uh, uh, honored to have, being the first four-year group to come out to never have lost to, to the Gators. But you can't, you just can't imagine the significance of it. Now, a lot of it has changed over the years because of television and because of the way these kids have been raised and they've seen a lot of other teams and rivalries. But I think deep down inside, both Florida and FSU players get it. And they understand because they get told by old people like me that, you know, it will ruin the next 364 days to lose to those people. And while it may not have the same significance to them, it does to us old timers. It nevertheless is a very, very important game, regardless of record, regardless of national spotlight, and I expect Saturday to be no different. 
And Florida will forever point out, should they get the win, that they ended the bowl streak. And if it goes that way, we'll look back, and it'll be the two rivals, Florida at the end, and a game that got away at Miami that Florida State should have in the win column right now and be bowl eligible. But I'm not going to think that way. We're going to go the other way uh, for this one. Uh, It's also going to be interesting because Florida's quarterback, and I have not watched Franks in Florida play a lot because, as we talk about, you and I are at the stadium for 10 or 12 hours on Saturday, so I don't see a ton of other teams play. He's from McCullough. He was Keith Gavin's quarterback, so he's coming home. He has played better under Dan Mullen, and and, and Florida has had a a better-than-expected season, no question, and they drilled Idaho on Saturday. Uh, So they'll be ready, too. No question. Uh, Franks will be a year older. He did not have a game, good game against Florida, uh, Florida State rather, last time out. Uh, so he'll have uh, the wanting to redeem himself or leave a different uh, thought process in both his fans' minds as well as this. You mentioned Mullen and this squad. Uh, Florida is still exceptional on defense. They continue to have some defensive backs. I don't know where they keep getting them, but they, they're they just outstanding players. Um, they've had their moments this year when they've played extremely well. Uh, they've had some disappointment and some games, uh, some periods during games when when they showed their immaturity and their lack of toughness. Uh, but all that, they think, is behind them. Uh, as you mentioned, they just absolutely drilled Idaho on Saturday. And I don't care who you are. You put up 63 points on anybody. Your offense is playing better than average and certainly better than we'll remember the Florida offense from last year in the FSU game. So it'll be it'll be a contest that uh, you know you've got to come in focus. You got to prepare during the week. Got to cut down on the miscues. Uh, got to make sure you don't turn the ball over. Blah blah blah. Uh, but it should be a game that's very, very entertaining. I'll be disappointed if it's a blowout one way or the other. I'll be very happy if it's a blowout Florida State's way, but I'll just say I'll be disappointed. I think it'll be a hard-fought, close ball game, 60-minute ball game that'll be worth watching. It's just, quote-unquote, a shame that it won't have all the national spotlight, but certainly has great, great meaning for Florida State in their program and trying to keep that bowl streak alive. Well, one thing's for sure, there's going to be a lot better atmosphere, energy, crowd in the stadium based on the fact that uh, Florida State got this win today and, or Saturday and stopped the bleeding. Uh, the announced crowd was a little over 57,000 for the BC game. That's the smallest crowd in Doak Campbell Stadium since 1988, uh, other than a spring game. Uh, that was very disappointing, and I, 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 I'm not one to say that the fans are to blame. I understand Florida State has not played well. Uh, therefore, the the synergy and the energy uh, has not been what you would expect it to be. But I would also ask uh, for everyone to consider the fact that this is the last game for these seniors to play in Doak Campbell. This is a rivalry game that has a huge importance uh, for a lot of people that never set foot on the field, i.e. The, the graduates and the fans of these two institutions. And I hope we have a full house on Saturday. I will remind folks that uh, the noon kickoff is not the bad kickoff that it was five or seven years ago. This game was chosen by ABC to kick at noon because the networks know we need a good game starting because as soon as we get people glued to the television, they'll watch the rest of the day. We don't need them waiting until 3.30 and, and put something else on at noon. So they picked the FSU Florida game. We need to be all out, full throttle, full-throated, all the other fools, and uh, have this place rocking when kickoff comes. 
Can you tell he's a salesman, folks? Good job, Keith. We do this uh, each and every uh, week uh, immediately uh, after the game. You hear it on Sunday and then again on Monday night, and then our regular show will be back your way Wednesday. We'll talk in more detail about the matchup with the Gators and also about uh, Florida State hoops and other things going on in the FSU world. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Have a great week, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving.